We'll, we'll be in Matthew tonight. I probably will not be in Acts either this Sunday morning. However, getting into after the missions conference, we'll get back again into finishing up First Thessalonians and the book of Acts. Uh, but this evening we'll be looking at this, this section right here in Matthew chapter 23. Just a few verses here. <clears throat> Matthew 23, we're going to start in verse number 23. It says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and uh, cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray your blessing upon the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd work. I ask for your mercy and your grace and your help. I pray that this would feed your people. Lord, please use your word. Help me to stay true to your word. And Lord, I pray that this would help and, and draw us closer to you. So please use this message tonight. I pray that it would not be in vain from my own life on the way down to all of us, Lord. Please use this to, to, to draw us closer. Again, control what I say and how I say it, Lord. I love you and I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. This portion in Matthew is, this is the very last public sermon of Jesus Christ, what we're looking at right here. Um, this is the day before he is arrested. Um, and uh, this is that Tuesday of the week of the, of the crucifixion. And that Thursday he will be crucified. Um, so this is his very last public sermon, really sermon altogether, period for that matter. This is his very last one. And you see who he's going after right here. Um, after the religious leaders and the, the, the hypocrisy of the day. And that's who he's going after. And, but there's a lot here that, that can apply to us that we certainly all need from myself on down. We can, be a, uh, we can be a people, especially within independent fundamental Baptist churches. It's, 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 uh, it's, sometimes we can give, be obsessed with the outside and pay very little attention to the inside. We are faithful with the easy things in our service to God, but we leave off the weightier matters, as Christ said, or the hard things. We can tithe. Be faithful to church, pass out some tracts, witness to others, all of which are good things and needful, have the standards. But the truth is, all of those are the easy things of the Christian life. There's nothing to them. They're easy. They are. There's 
there's, it, those are a piece of cake. We're always looking to do things easier in life, it seems. And that has happened with our relationship with God. We've realized that if we can put on the front of just focusing on those outward things, we can put on a glow of spirituality and leave off the weightier matters. Again, those things that we're talking about need to be in place. I'll bring it up later. We have a group of those that like to claim they're all about the weightier matters, and they leave off those things, quote, of the outside. But like Christ said, no, those things need to be in place. But you need to concentrate on the weightier matters. Those ones that really begin to make a strong difference in your relationship to God. Where it's not just about a religion to you, but it's about the Creator Himself. Most are satisfied with just doing the easier things. Listen, preacher, I come to church, I tithe, I'll pass out some tracts. That's good enough. Is it? If that is you, I would read those verses again that I just read and just try and catch a glimpse of the tone in which Christ is preaching. It's pretty obvious. To many, uh, uh, excuse me, today, many do not want their religion to be hard. They want an easy religion. They want something that's easy, even to the point of today, we're getting into the, we're actually getting into the realm today where the entire service is literally with, they don't use those terms, but it's just the truth of the matter when you look at it. It is literally entertainment based for an audience. You're not the center of this service. God is. It's not me. It's not you. It's about us coming before God and trying to follow the principles laid out in Scriptural for a local New Testament church. Many today simply want the church to teach their children so they have good morals, but certainly don't let the Bible or church really affect the way they live. I remember I had some close family growing up. That that's how they were. They like the idea of going to church to provide a decent level of morality for their children, but no kidding, don't take it too serious. We want the church to give stability to our family, but many today don't want their families to be all about God. We want the church to do our weddings, our funerals, visit the sick, but we don't want God at our work, at our workplace, our private life, or our parties. We desire God to be a part of our life too often, but not our life. We want our life and God can have his part in it. You're missing what it's all about. We don't mind doing the easy things in serving God, but just like what we see here Christ preaching strongly against, we leave off the weightier matters. The matters of the heart and of the inside. So what are the consequences of this is my first point. What are the consequences of this action when you as a Christian or me as a Christian begin to focus simply on the outside and not on the weightier matters, as Christ put it. 
Well, we can see some of the ramifications in our text. Verse 25, as Christ describes what begins to happen unto you. Woe unto you, in verse 25, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you may clean the outside of the cup and platter, but within, they're full of extortion and excess. A blind Pharisee. Clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. One of the consequences of such action is the inside, because you're never actually dealing with that. It becomes full of filth and sin. It's easy to make clean the outside. It's much more difficult when you're dealing with the weightier matters. We can dress right for church, carry our King James Bibles. Our ladies can, can wear their modest clothing, but inside, too often, we're full of pride, adultery, bitterness, jealousy, anger, malice, self-will. But we look good on the outside. We would not dare miss church. But in a few hours, many will be looking at pornography. We might not dare come into the church and gossip. We might do it more secretly and disguise it as a prayer request. And beware of that. With the things we're going through already, there's already things that I'm hearing. Listen, beware of the gossip. Again, you might not come in and openly gossip, yet in your heart you know bitterness that rages at others. You might control the outside, but in the inside you know where your heart is towards others still. You're not dealing with the weightier matters. You're just cleaning the outside. You would, there's just no chance you would ever miss your tithe. You're faithful with that 10%. You're not going to miss that. Yet you can't keep your eyes off that woman at work or at church. You can paint a nice picture on the outside, but inside it's like dead men's bones. You start to lack sincerity in your worship and you know it but you ignore it. Your heart is not there. So it begins to take place. The first consequence we see begin to happen is all of a sudden on the outside, boy, you can make it look nice. But to me, the best illustration Christ gives is of the grave. The nice, beautiful sepulcher, but in the inside, it's full of nothing but dead men's bones. That begins to take place in your life. Second thing that begins to happen. Look over in Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, if you want to find it quickly. This one here, look at this one here. This one is wow.
Amos chapter 5, verse 21. The Lord is speaking. He starts off with some strong words. I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. Then he goes on to talk about judgment is coming. Here is where the Israel was still had a form of religion. They still had their feast days. They still had their offerings. They still had their worship taking place. They still had their songs sung unto the Lord. And the Lord tells them, I want none of it. He says, I will not accept it. This is what begins to happen in your life when you just focus on the outside. When the Lord says, when it does come time for your worship, when you're singing your special, I want none of it. I don't accept it. Those offerings you're offering me on the outside, I want none of it because you're not willing to deal with the weightier matters. That's why he's coming down so hard on the Pharisees, scribes, and hypocrites. You're not dealing with the weightier matters. You just concentrate on the outside and you let the inside go. He says, I want none of it. The truth is the Lord wants our heart. Again, this doesn't mean we stop doing the easy things. Really, that that gets old in the day that we live in, that people pretend like the easy things that I am talking about don't matter. They do matter. They do affect testimony. They do carry some weight. But if your life is all about those, oh, you're missing it. You can do nothing but hurt the cause of Christ. You have to deal with the weightier matters while keeping those in place. You have to allow the fact that you're dealing with the weightier matters guide the outside. The Lord wants your heart. Again, the greatest command we have is thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. You just don't go through the emotions and expect to get attendance, but when you get to heaven before God. It's not how this is going to work. Another consequence, inside again, we just become full of filth and the sincerity begins to trail off in our worship before God. Then God no longer receives that worship. But then there's more effects. There's a ripple effect that begins to take place. It begins to affect your family. You ever wondered why we, why we lose so many of our young people? I mean, there's several different reasons why. This certainly is, but this is one of the reasons. Now, young person, let me tell you this. You have no excuse. No excuse. You will not stand before God. God will say, you know what? I know you decided to rebel. It's all right. Uh, I knew your situation. That will never happen. God is to be your God, period, regardless. And um, you'll have no, no excuse before God. None. 
Because so often we do see that. You know, we preach things like this which need to be preached, but I certainly don't want to use this as a crutch for a young person to justify a measure of rebellion. That's never justified. It is not. I have news for you. Although men may let you down, God never has. Your life's to be about Him. Does that hinder us at times? It does. But you know what's sufficient? God's grace. Every single time, God's grace is sufficient. But so often, from the results of simply doing the easy things and making clean the outside, God does not become real to our children. That transfer never takes place. Where God becomes their God. Because to them, religion and church was simply about the outside. They see the pattern and they follow it. And for many, this hinders them greatly. The focus becomes wrong. Soon, because there's not a realness of God or a genuineness there, it's easy for Satan to come in and begin to challenge them on the holiness that is in place. Because the flesh doesn't like it at all. And all of a sudden, the world looks much more appealing. The genuine relationship isn't there with God. And teenagers, it should be in place where even if mom and dad fall away, you stay strong. Because God is to be your God. And at the same time, parents, we are accountable for the children God gives us. Don't let them see something that's fake and just a show. Let them see God is real in your life. Don't, don't let them get in the car and, and hear you uh, decide to dissect Pastor McGovern once you get in the car. That's not about protecting me. It's not. That's about protecting your children. Again, we have to concentrate on the weightier matters. Again, you might not miss one service, but you have no trouble allowing bitterness to rule your heart. Too worried about the outside and not the inside. You would not dare speak evil to a brother in church, but you have no trouble going home and spewing venom on your family. Concentrate on the inside. Another consequence, as this begins to develop and develop, and boy, a, f- a fear should come in in every one of these. But boy, this one here, I'm going to circle it. You know what you begin to lose? The realness of God being present. You know, you think when everything's strong in your Christian life, that, that relationship that you have with God, when it's genuine, the realness of God, that will go by the wayside. 
God is no longer the center of the actions, the motivation of the actions, and your faith, regardless if you realize or not, begins to weaken at that moment. God starts to become more abstract to you, and now you have to substitute that feeling of, of loss with something else. It's usually more activity. Your religion becomes mere formalism. And then you're missing what it's all about, the relationship with the Creator. Now, how did all this happen? Let me finish with this. How does all this happen? Back in our text. Look in our text. Christ tells us, Here's how he said it happened to them in verse number 23 that they did. They have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment, mercy, and faith. He gets into these areas of the heart to deal with. They were omitting parts of God's word. I remember hearing, I'm sure we've all heard messages like that. I've never preached one like that, but I remember being a teenager um, here, and it might have been my early 20s, I think I was a teenager, first time I heard a message along those lines, about Burger King religion. You know, Burger King's motto was, have it your way. You know, when you come and you order it, have it your way. And then, uh, and I remember the first time I heard it preach, I thought, man, that, that can be so true. People want to have it, want to have a Burger King religion. They want to be able to come in and tell God, all right, this is how I want my religion to work. I'll have that, I don't mind that, I don't mind that, but I don't like that. I don't like that, I don't like that. I don't want none of that on there. But if I have it like this, you got me. You know what we leave off in those cases? The weightier matters. And of course, there are many pastors who will be accountable before God. Because they cannot say as Paul did, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Many won't do it because of the day that they're in. They know it won't be a popular message or whatever the case might be. Instead of trying to instruct in love in spite of the culture. Let's face it. Even in our IFB churches, this is very true because I, I was a part of... Uh, um, in that, that church I referred to earlier when me and Marianne first got married of what was the typical, mainstay, independent, fundamental Baptist church. I was a member of one of those. You want to know what mattered? And this is, and remember, I was growing in my faith at this time. I was glad the Lord had directed and began to see things, and, and that church went away, so I got in a much better church, which was Pastor Birch. But what church was all about was simply this, tithing, soul winning, faithful to church, as long as people, again, were faithful to church, tithing and soul winning, you were in. That's what you had to do. That's where the concentration was. Are all those things needed? Definitely. Are you right with God without them? No. But those are the easy things. But that was all that mattered. I mean, for the most part, you've heard me say it before, on Sunday mornings in that church, every 
single service was just a gospel message reformat. He said, well, that's, that just shows a concern for the lost. Listen, you can have your gospel in every single message. It's not that difficult at all. But there's a responsibility. The local church is for those who are saved. Do you understand that? It's about feeding the sheep. Sunday night and Wednesday nights would be another, some type of topical series. Repetitive. Repetitive. It didn't give chance for much growth from the pulpit. It did not. Because all we needed people to do was be faithful to church, tithe and soul win. You know, of course, standards and separation would be preached. And then everything was good. But those were the easy things. The difficult things were the hard issues. I remember I was talking, I had him preach our family camp, and I was, we were, uh, that was Pastor Rusty Silvertooth. Again, that was his real name. And uh, I preached for him when he was in Louisiana. Pastor in, he pastored two churches there in Louisiana. I preached for him in both of his churches. They were both supporting churches of mine. And when I first met him, we, we had hit it off immediately. There was a, a, a former members of our church that were there, Barbara and Jake and Ken Jacobs. And, uh, and me and, me and Pastor Rusty, we just, we just clicked immediately. And I remember one of the stories he told me, and he was dead on. We, we got on the subject of Phil Kidd. Now, those who were here in the 90s in this church, we all remember Phil Kidd. And, uh, he preached at our church one time, and that would be the last time he ever preached at our church. And he, he, he referred to himself as the most controversial evangelist. Do you, do you understand the psychology behind, he gets people behind him? It's by being so bold and domineering. You want to be part of that. You definitely want to be on the opposite side. There's psychology behind it, and people don't even realize it. They're afraid to be. They want to align themselves with that, regardless of what's being presented, just because of the manner in which. And so we got talking about that, and we were both immediately in complete agreement. One, don't much to do with that. And he said, I was at a preacher's conference, and he said he had preached. And he said, afterwards, I was out in a four-year or somewhere like that, and a bunch of the preachers were talking about, man, that is some hard, hard preaching. And, and he said how, I can't remember his wording, really got tired of it. He said, I finally spoke up. I said, no, it isn't. Not at all. I said, the truth is, everything he's speaking on is the easy things in the Christian life. He was dead on. He was dead on. It's the issues of the heart, dealing with our love for God, where that needs to be in place as a true motivation, where it's not just about the outside, where it's just not about you cleaning the outside to carry the right Bible, make sure you dress right, have faithful attendance, and put some money in the box. That's not what it's about. It's about your love for God actually driving all those things. And that can lead to many poor decisions. I think of of sad stories within our own circles, of a very well-known pastor in our circle um, who has since passed away. He passed away during his court trial when he was, he was in court. He had one of our bigger Bible colleges going back in the 70s and 80s. Well, it had come out about molesting very young girls. Very young. We're talking under 12 his church never found out. It was a large church. I think a church of 1,500 to 2,000. I've never been in it. I'm, I'm assuming that's about the right. 
They didn't want to hurt the ministry. You know what happened with those girls? They got older. They became adults. They didn't forget. When the church knew they had to deal with it, they still didn't tell the church. You know what they did? He surrendered to go to the mission field. I, I remember when I heard that, thinking, wow. Been passing that church all those years, getting up in age. And I'm thinking, what an amazing surrendered life to pick up and go to the mission field in Germany. Little did I know what was really behind the scenes. Know what that is? That's cleaning the outside of the platter. That's all that's doing. The things left off were the more weightier things, the heart issues. So what happens is, even from the pulpit, all of a sudden there's parts of God's Word that are omitted, or you choose, because you don't want it to affect your life, to purposely omit parts of God's Word and just ignore them and do your Burger King religion. And then, another aspect of it, as Christ talked about, you begin to focus on the outside. What you're more concerned with, more than anything else, is the approval of men and not of God. Know what you're doing then? You're just cleaning the outside. That's all that matters to you. Because men can only see the outside. So when you seek simply the approval of men, that's what you'll concentrate on. But when you know you're seeking genuinely the approval of God, you know what what you know about Him? He knows every thought you have. He knows every intent of your heart. Know what you begin to do then? You seek to clean that. But when your life is about the approval of men, that's what drives your decisions. Look in Isaiah 29, the last thing that begins to, uh, that allows this to happen, excuse me, is in Isaiah chapter 29. You'll see the correlation pretty easy when I read this verse. Verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear towards me is taught by the precept of men. The heart was removed. With their mouth they did honor me. They said all the right words. They knew what to say to honor God with their mouth, with the outside. But God knew the heart is far from me. So in other words, what that tells me, here's where I'm drawing the principle of, the, uh, of how we get to that place. Something else steals your heart. Something else grabs it. Whether that's a career, a hobby, it could be anything. Just something that takes your heart and your passion. 
You still know the right words to say, but you know something else has your heart. And the Lord desires that. It's what He wants. It's what He deserves. It's His. And it's the best life you could live. Again, when this begins to take place, you begin to lose what is truly important. And think, of, think about it this way, from young person on up. Just think about this from a logical perspective, this being true. What is the best thing to give your life for? Seriously, what is it? What is the best thing to give your life for? Now, of course, being that we're in church and I'm a pastor of the church, you're going to conclude I'm driving at God, which is correct. But sort of set that aside for a second. And actually think about the question. What is the best thing to give your life for? To spend the energy of your youth. To use the wisdom of your age. To give your time and effort unto. The truth is, there is nothing in this world that even comes close to comparing to giving that to the Creator Himself. Nothing. You're living for fake pearls. That's it. Fake pearls. That purpose is designed for the one who created us. Who gave us life. Again, soon you will see what you're living for is that cloud without rain, that well without a water. Without, without a water. Because we only have a water, of course. Wow. Without water. But as Christ told the, the Pharisees, scribes, and hypocrites, he says, your problem is you just concentrate on the outside. He said, listen, I want you to. I want you to worry about the outside. But you're leaving off what's more important, what's weightier, issues of the heart. With heads bowed and eyes closed.